Well, we are continuing in a series called The Organic Life, and um, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And so it just happens that the fruit of the Spirit starts out with love, okay? And this happened to coincide with Mother's Day, which is like the perfect thing. So you say, John, you must be preaching about love. Well, so not so fast. Uh, I took some liberty this morning because it was Mother's Day, and I wanted to tell you a story about one of the greatest women in the Bible that you might not even know about. So I wanted to talk about her. And then the other thing I wanted to explain is love is such a huge topic we're going to be covering it in almost every fruit of the Spirit moving forward. So when we get to joy, which is next week, I'll be preaching on that. We're going to be talking about the love of God fueling our joy. When we get to uh, peace, we're going to talk about the love, resting in the, in, in the love of God. So we'll be talking about it. Uh, I, I just figured we have to get out of here sometime this morning. And if I talk about love, we'll be here for 17 hours. So he, here's, here's where we're at. We're in Galatians. Uh, chapter 5. We're going to stay here for just a little bit, and then we're going to move to 1 Samuel. So um, uh, the idea behind this series of the fruit of the Spirit is this particular section of Scripture. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Does this mean God doesn't want you to have any fun or doesn't want you to enjoy life? Absolutely the opposite. What, what the Bible teaches over and over again is that when we're just after ourselves, when we're just after satisfying our needs and our desires, our life is going to end up in a place we don't want it to end up in. That selfishness and self-indulgence uh, and those things, and, and you don't need the Bible to tell you this, oftentimes ends up in a ruined life. And so it says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not desire the, uh, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires the opposite of the Spirit, and the Spirit, what is uh, contrary to the flesh. And then Paul goes on to even double down on this. They're in conflict with one another. They're, in other words, they're conniving against one another, they're on different teams. Okay, one is like, I don't know, the bad team, like the Raiders, okay? <laughs> that was just to my friends, sorry about that, okay, right? So you're not to do whatever you want, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. In other words, you're not worry, so worried about, did I get everything that I, that's due to me? Is just, did I get mine? Did I get what I deserve? Was this unfair? Was that? Walking by the Spirit puts that all aside. And then he mentions the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wow. The opposite of social media, okay? All these things that the fruit of the Spirit, when we walk and we keep in step with the Spirit. It goes on to say, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This morning, what I want to talk about is the idea of keeping in step with the Spirit by listening to the wise counsel of those around us. And the reason I wanted to talk about this on Mother's Day is because there's this girl I'm going to introduce you to in the Bible. Her name's Abby. Uh, well, I call her Abby because we're close, but uh, her name's Abigail. And uh, what she does is something 
both culturally out of the norm, right, and just dangerous anyway, because she's bringing wisdom with her. And the reason I wanted to talk about this this morning is she's basically being a mom. I mean, for all the moms I know, what do they do? They, they protect their kids. They have uh, strong opinions. Uh, they, they, are, they are champions for their kids, right? When there's an injustice, they know their kid better than anyone. You ever seen this happen, right? You see the neighborhood kid, and you're like, this kid's a derelict. Kid's going to end up in prison, good for nothing. Uh, I, I can't stand that kid. Well, talk to the kid's mom. No, don't raise your hand, okay? For, <laughs> talk to the kid's mom, right? He's not loud. He speaks his mind. He might be a lawyer someday, right? Uh, he, he's not flunking. It's that the, the, the school doesn't understand him. He's got these certain things that, you know, if they would just change the entire school system, he would get straight A's. I mean, yet like moms, you know, they just have this way about them because they are empathetic and they love their kid and they see the best. And here's the question a lot of moms, uh, they, they struggle with. And again, I, I'm just speaking as a dude. So um, if you want, if, you're, if anything I say doesn't jive with you, just write a strongly worded email. Michelle at livingspring.com. <laughs> She'll handle all of them. But right, as a mom, you're, you're constantly asking yourself this question and asking your kids this question. Is this the story you want to tell about your life when you get older? Like, is this really what you want to be doing? And, you know, and then your kids come back with the same thing over and over again. You don't understand. You're old, blah, blah, blah. And you're sitting there. Your heart's broken. You're like, you are about to make the worst decision in the world. Now, again, for those of the people outside of your home, we're like, we don't care. End up in prison. But as a mom, as a person who loves them, you're just like, oh, no. And, and for those of you with adult children, Okay, who might be here this morning, you might have dragged them here because it's Mother's Day, and for you adult children, I'm so sorry for what you're about to hear, but, but they're breaking your heart even as adults, maybe even more as adults. Maybe they were little cherubs growing up, and you're like, what happened? Where did I go wrong? Right, because you want the best for them. You know what's right. Well, we're going to look at someone this morning who very boldly spoke their mind, uh, again, in a time when uh, it was odd for a woman to do this, to confront a man in this way, and it was certainly odd for someone of this position to be talking to maybe even a future king. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 25, and I'll give you a little bit of background before we get started. It just starts off like this in 1 Samuel 25. Now Samuel died. Uh, now, for those of you who think Samuel wrote Samuel, uh, this is a tough verse for you to figure out. Now, Samuel died. Okay, well, if he wrote it, he wrote it from the grave. So, uh, but, but this is a huge event, and, and it's just kind of slapped in here. Samuel was the one who appointed Saul, who appointed David. Samuel was the one, Samuel was David's confidant. Samuel was the one confronting David. Samuel was the one who would bring wisdom, who'd bring God's voice into David's life, and he just dies. And further, David is on the run at this point. 
He's running from Saul who wants to take his life. And further, he had seen Saul in a cave. Saul was, uh, it was physiological. He's in the cave and he's relieving himself, the Bible says. It's in the Bible, don't blame me for biology. And, uh, And David could have killed him. And he cut off a little bit of Saul's robe. And then when Saul left the cave, uh, uh, David was like, hello, guess who, guess who could have killed you, right? And Saul says, oh, I'm so sorry, but then keeps trying to kill David, <laughs> right? So David's in this really weird turmoil. Like David's really stressed out right now. His, his mentor dies. He can't go to the funeral, If you look at this, it says, all Israel assembled and mourned, except for who? David, the one who Samuel was on his side. He can't go. So you can imagine what's brewing in David right now. What's brewing in a lot of us, where we feel like it's not fair, where we feel like um, uh, the, the people we love are, don't understand us or are now gone. Or maybe through COVID, you lost a lot of different people. I was just talking to someone this morning. Just 2021 was like a, a year of losing three, four people in their, in their life. And so all these triggers at David. Then he, he's also kind of hungry. He's out on the road. And, and then he's surrounded. Okay, and don't, this is not sexist or anything. But he's got 600 men with him. I can't even handle three men around me, Right? Like, like, if I go do something, like one dude, maybe two. That's the most. 600 is just too many. And so this is where he's at. And so David moved down to the desert of Paran. A certain man in, um, well, actually, it's man, uh, who had property there at Carmel. Again, we want to stop real quick because it's also very politically hostile. There are two parties Stop me if this doesn't sound familiar. One is Saul and one is David. Saul is actually in power. And this city, Carmel, this town, Saul had erected a little monument to himself about a battle that he won. So here's this guy, this rich guy, who we'll see in later, kind of support, you know, donates to the Saul party. And here's David, who's on the run, up and coming, underdog, and uh, kind of living out in the desert. He had a thousand goats. I don't want to get into the monetary. Just he's a billionaire, okay? Thousand goats, three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. So he was essentially selling off stock. He was getting this windfall of profit, is what was happening. He was shearing the sheep. So now he had all this wool that he was going to sell, and it's a very festive time, and it's uh, it's pretty pretty awesome. So he had a thousand goats. 3,000 sheep that he was shearing in Carmel. And it's so funny, they name his wealth first and then him. His name is Nabal, and that means fool in Hebrew. Now, if you're a student of the Bible, if you're brand new to the Bible, you're asking yourself the same thing I'm asking myself. Why would a family name their kid fool, (laughs) right? Well, have you met? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, No, this is, we don't know if this is a nickname that he has. We don't know if his name was something close to this, like his name was, you know, something close to fool. And so everyone, that's what everyone called him. But think about that. I just want you to think human, human, like a human. Your name's either fool 
or it rhymes with fool, or people call you fool behind your back, and you're rich. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Is that how you're going to play it? Oh, yeah, remember? Hey, remember you? You called me fool in elementary school. I got a thousand sheep. I got a thousand goats. What are you going to do now, right? So you can kind of see. You've got David, who's flawed emotionally, as we've seen in the past, and as we can see the institutions that he's around now. And we've got Nabal, who's flawed emotionally, as we'll see that develop even more. Okay, so that's the background. He's shearing sheep at Carmel. His, his name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. Oh, so watch this. This is so cool. She was intelligent and beautiful, Okay. Kind of like somebody I live with. What? Okay. Okay. But her husband, hey, wait a minute. No, no, forget that. That's where it ends. Okay. Her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. I don't want to go into why they named that. I don't care. But that's what he was. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. In other words, he had come in. He's coming into a lot of money, a lot of stuff going on. So he sent 10 young men to them, go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. In other words, David says hi, right? And say to him, long life to you. In other words, make it as nice as you can. Good health to you and to your household and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, by the way, I just want to give you some background, David's saying, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they will tell you, therefore, could we have a little bit of something, okay? Can you be favorable toward my men since we come at a festive time? In other words, hey, Nabal, one of the reasons why this is such a great year for you is no marauders came, nothing was stolen, all my men were like, we'll see later in the scripture, it says, like a wall around you. In other words, hey, we helped you, would you help us? Totally respectable, makes a lot of sense. He says, please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. I'm not even putting a number on it. Just if you could spare something. We got 600 dudes. They're all hungry. If you could give something. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. I love this. And they waited. The Bible doesn't say how long they waited. The Bible doesn't say how they waited. If they went back to David and were waiting for a messenger or whatever. But the author here wants to make it clear Nabal made them wait. Again, another power move. You're going to call me fool? You're going to think I don't, I'm not important? You think I don't have any influence? Yeah, why don't you wait? I'll let you know what my decision is. Nabal answered David's servants finally. Who is this David? Oh, man. Nabal's got, he's got a lot of foolishness in him. And then he says this, which shows that he actually does know who David is, because he says, who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? What? They never said anything about a son of Jesse. David knows, Nabal knows the whole story. We're going to see in a little bit, kind of, he, he's kind of like on Saul's side. Saul's in power. He's in power. They're at Carmel. That's where the statue is. It's kind of a, 
If you're a Republican, it would be like being in Dallas or something. I don't know. If you're a Democrat, you're like in San Francisco. Whatever. I don't know. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out anything. But why should I take... Here's what he says. Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. In other words, I know he's on the run from Saul. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat that I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. And David replied, you know what? That makes sense. It is all his stuff. Let's not bother Nabal anymore. Let's all pray and trust the Lord for our food. Oh, wait. No, it didn't say that. Sorry. Chapter, uh, verse 13. David said to his young man, each of you strap on your sword. Now, what David is doing, because we read this and we read it like the Old Testament, and so we think, oh, yeah, that's what they did back then. They just kind of killed everybody. This is frowned upon, Okay. Like, even for Old Testament standards, you don't go killing people who don't give you food. That's not what you do. But think about how David is triggered. He's on the run. His mentor just died, and he can't go to the funeral. He's in the desert. He's surrounded by dudes, and he's hungry and trying to figure out, what am I going to do? I had a chance to kill Saul. You'll see, and just if you read your Bible, and please read your Bible. This, is, this stuff is all throughout the Bible. It's awesome. He does it again with Saul. He can go into the camp and kill Saul, and he doesn't do it. So this is the turmoil he's in. Here's my first point. Don't make decisions when you're triggered. Okay? Don't make decisions when you're triggered. Each of you strap on your sword. So they did. And David strapped on his as well. And this is what's so amazing. Do you know where David got his sword? That's it. Goliath. When he killed Goliath. This sword, which you can imagine is probably big because Goliath was huge, right? It was probably like a little toothpick for Goliath. But David's got this sword that everywhere he carries it around is a reminder to him that God was taking care of David, that he was David's anointed. And now he's going to use the same sword that God had given him through this, this battle with Goliath, through what he did with the sling. We'll see this referenced in just a little bit. And he's going to use it against Nabal. So, uh, so David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. I'm kind of the supply guy, you know. I would just be like, yeah, I'll watch the luggage. I don't need to stab anyone in the chest today. I'll maybe next time, okay? So there, there it is. I just, I, when I read the Bible, I place myself in it as a character. I'm luggage guy. Okay, watch this. One of the servants told Abigail, one of the servants told the smart person in the room. One of the servants told the person who has a way better perspective than everyone else. One of the servants told the person who would have been the more marginalized voice. They tell Abigail, Nabal's wife, the beautiful and intelligent one. David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings. But he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us. 
And the whole time they were out in the fields uh, near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time. We were there herding the sheep near them. Now think it over, Abigail. Do you have any ideas? And see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. And then it's almost like the guy whispers to Abigail, he's such a wicked man, (laughs) right? And no one can talk to him. But Abigail, you can do something. And she did. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine. This wasn't just little bottles of wine. These are giant skins of wine. Five dressed sheep, five, I don't even know how to say it, says, I guess, of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Essentially, she's sending food trucks to all the guys. Okay? That's what she's doing. She sends these donkeys out, and they're just packed. And she says to them, uh, she told her servants, go on ahead. I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. Okay? Ooh, all right. The plot thickens. Okay. I told you, read your Bible. These things are everywhere. As she, oh, whoops. Uh, As she came, I messed up. As she came riding her donkey into the mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. It's her, right? Some servants, let's say 10 food trucks, and armed men ready for battle. Not only were they ready for battle, but this is where you say, John, how can you read into this that David was so triggered? And so, because David, first of all, is like any one of us. Okay, I know he was a man after God's own heart. I get all that from the Bible. But if you read the Psalms and you read his story, that brother was flawed. Okay, just like all of us, broken. And here's why I get that. Listen to what he was doing. He's rehearsing, which is what you do when you're triggered. You ever do that? You're going to go talk to somebody. You're going to make a decision. And so you start running it through in your head. Oftentimes you're doing it with people who are not in the room. You're having a conversation by yourself with the person who's there. And here's how the fantasy goes, because I have 12 of them. Uh, You show up. You're about ready to talk to somebody, confront them. And in your fantasy, there's people all around. And you say your ironclad argument. And they fall down in shame and in tears. And all the people cheer and say, John, you were right. They were wrong. Okay, that's how my fantasy goes. Here's David's. Just, uh, David had just said, it's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property. I don't know why the Bible always uses fellow, but it does. Over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. Mm-mm-mm. He has paid me back Evil for good, binary language that we use all the time. This person's evil, no nuance at all. This person's evil, this person's good. I belong to this party, they're good. This party, evil. Hate, love, okay, right? He's paying back evil for good. Actually, it wasn't really that evil. He just didn't give him food, okay? Anyway, sorry, David. I just argue, pushing back a little bit. May God deal with David, okay? Talking in the third person, another clue. Be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. 
Does that sound like the Lord? No. David, what are you going to use to impale Nabal? Oh, the sword God gave me. Oh, is that what it's used for? Apparently, if you get your feelings hurt or you're triggered, right? When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey. This is so bold. (laughs) I can't even tell you. She bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Now, so for some reason, the Bible slows way down. The servants are all gone out of the narrative now. You can imagine 400 armed men behind David. You can imagine the servants behind Abigail with the 10 food trucks, right? And like, okay, so uh, she says, pardon your servant, my Lord, let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool. If you read the Old Testament in Hebrew, it says a fool says in his heart there is no God. If you read it in Hebrew, a Nabal says in his heart there is no God. His name means fool. And folly goes with him. As for me, your servant, I didn't see the men your Lord sent. Like I didn't. Listen, don't worry about him. Now we're, we're, we're dealing with the issue. And now, my Lord, now watch. As surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live. Abigail does something that we all desperately need in our lives. Someone who will come to us and speak the truth. And again, I bring this up on Mother's Day because I know for a lot of moms, this is what they feel like they do all the time. That they constantly, they almost feel like they're being nagging. Not because they're a nag, but because the people around them are making unwise decisions. And so she invokes to David, hey David, there's a grounding here. The God you serve, the Lord, right? Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord, watch what she does, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed. In other words, she's speaking truth into his life before it's actually happening. Does that not sound like a mom to you? You speak, oh, you are so, oh, honey, you're so this and that. And you know, even as a mom, you're like, oh, my goodness, it's crazy. But you speak truth to your kids to what they would become. This is exactly what Abigail is doing. The Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands. Now, I don't know if David was like taking a sword and like, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, we weren't going to do anything. You guys put your sword away. Like, the, Yeah, we just carry swords because that's what we do. I don't know how it went down. But Abigail is so wise in this situation. Since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed, And from avenging yourselves with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming you, on harming my Lord, be like Nabal. In other words, don't don't even sweat this. You know, I wonder if right then a food truck was like, you know, and all the men are like, yay, you know, (laughs) raising cakes, right? Like she just had it all timed. I don't know, but I'll bet she did because she was smart and beautiful, okay? So this is what happened. So um, I might be reading too much into it. Um, Who are ten on harming, be like Nabal. Let this gift, 
which your servant has brought to my Lord, be given to the men who follow you. They're probably already at the donkeys right now going, do you have any fig cake? Oh, yes. Try these fig cakes. They're wonderful. She goes on. And she really speaks into this person's life of who the man that David was to become. Please forgive your servant's presumption. In other words, I just want to mention a few more things. The Lord your God will certainly make you a lasting dynasty for my Lord. Because you fight the Lord's battles. And no wrongdoing may be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life. Remember when I said Nabal was pretending like he didn't know who David was? Everybody knew what was going on. Everyone knew David was running from Saul. They, they, as a matter of fact, David's whole running from Saul happened because David killed Goliath. And they're like, Saul is thousands, but David is ten thousands. Like poll numbers were down for Saul. They were up for David. And it drove Saul crazy. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. Listen to, what, listen to the language she uses. This is so good. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. Hey, David. David, do you remember when God took care of everything? Do you, do you remember when... There's Goliath, and everybody was freaking out, and all you had were those five smooth stones. You had nothing else except just your relationship with the Lord. Remember that? She uses that kind of language. But the lives of your enemies, he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled... For my Lord, every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have, listen to this, on his conscience, the staggering burden. <laughs> like she's, she's like, oh my goodness, could you imagine if you killed Nabal and all the men in the camp? Oh, good night. That would be staggering burden. You don't want any part of that at all. I love Abby. I call her Abby. We're like dear friends. Uh, of needless bloodshed, of having avenged yourself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. Well, now watch what David says. And this is the prayer of every mom I know in talking to their kids. That some light would come on. That after speech after speech and trying all the different tacks that you've tried talking to your kids. And, and again, I don't mean to single out moms. If you're an auntie, you've done this too. If, you've, if you're just anybody who's invested in the generation coming up. You've had conversation after conversation after conversation. And if you're in that generation or somebody around you keeps talking to you over and over again about a certain issue. It might be that you just need to humble yourself. And listen, and hopefully come to the same conclusion David does. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. If you're looking in the Bible, you, maybe you struggle with women being pastors or women teaching or being an authority. Here's just another example, okay? of how we need all voices in our lives, from all different perspectives, young, old, 
rich, poor, people of color, white people, everybody. The Lord can use anybody to speak truth into our life. And David says to this woman, he's got 400 dudes with him. They're all armed, ready to go. David's been rehearsing it all. He's ready to go. And the Lord uses this woman, Abigail. And the Lord uses these moms and these people who are investing in these kids to, okay, act quickly. Come with the truth. And it switches for David. And I, may, I said David was flawed and he's got issues, but this is a great this is a great part of David. For some reason, he is in tune with the Lord. Uh, praise be to the Lord, God of Israel, who sent you today for me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Thank you for speaking truth into my life. Now, in this case, it happens to Abigail right away. David changes and all that. But for some of you, You've been talking to your kids, to your grandkids, to your nieces and nephews, the same thing over and over again. If you would just put your trust in the Lord, you wouldn't be putting yourself through this. And you're praying for this day. Do not give up on them. It's your judgment. It's your tenacity. It's your boldness that the Lord uses Maybe not when they're 11 years old, they're acting the fool. Maybe when they're, not, and they're in their early 20s and, they, and they, they, have it all, they think they have it all figured out. Maybe they're in their 30s and you're like, oh my goodness. We keep it going. Why? Because it's the truth. And while they may lose different mentors in their life who pass away and all this stuff, they've always got you to be there. May you be blessed. And I say this to moms and, again, aunts and people who are raising these kids up. Fathers, you'll get your day in a few weeks. I ain't preaching, but you can do it. Keep it up. May you be blessed for what you do. I know sometimes it's heartbreaking. And you think, will this kid ever get it? And you're on your knees every day. And you're just investing, investing, investing. You're like, please, please. One day, if they're in tune with the Lord, they'll go, ah, wait a minute. This is the way to go. So be blessed for your good judgment from keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. And then this is so, I'm just speaking for dudes. This is just a flex move by Dave, uh, David. And uh, I, I, Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. I just want you to know. <laughs> All right? Just because I'm giving in doesn't mean I'm scared or anything. I got Goliath's sword. Want to see it? It's really big. Here it is. <laughs> Check it out. Would have killed him. Would have killed him. Total flex move. Sorry, maybe it's different with women, but that is a dude right there. Right? Even in humility, you can't start, stop talking about how great you are. Okay. Then David accepted from her hand what she, because the dudes were already eating it already, right? Uh, who had brought him and said, go home in peace. I've heard your words and granted your request. Now the story gets really cool. And uh, when Abigail went to Nabal. He was in his house holding a banquet like that of a king. This is really cool language um, because 
if you think about it, so the author is writing this stuff. Nabal is having a feast for a king. Abby brought a feast to a king. And so you kind of have this same thing we're talking about in the fruit of the Spirit. You have the deeds of the flesh, which are evident, and you've got this fruit of the Spirit, this, this anointing, this kingdom that God is promoting. And so he has this banquet. He was, high, uh, he was in high, he was high, he was in high spirits and very drunk. He might, I don't know what he was doing, but he was in high spirits and very drunk. So I'm going to lose my job. So she told him nothing at all until daybreak. Which I would have told him then, because he'd have been like, oh, yeah, whatever. But she waits. Um, in the New American Standard, it says, until the wine left him, is what it says. But in NIV, it says this. Then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things. And his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. Most scholars think he had a stroke right there. Because he was still alive. It wasn't a heart attack, because he would be dead. But he's still alive. And he's just like, oh, no. Like, he's just trip. Some people think he had a seizure. Some people think it wasn't a seizure. I guarantee you that. Uh, and his heart failed him and he became like a stone. Okay, watch this. About 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Wow. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise the Lord. That's cold. Okay. I'm sorry. That's cold. Right? A dude died. He's like, praise the Lord. So I don't know. I've been to a few funerals where that was the case. But he said, praise the Lord who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong. That is correct. Actually, Abigail did that and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. Now watch what David does. This is another flex move. Then David sent word to Abigail. Hey, you want to get married? Right? <laughs> Guys, got to read your Bible. It's all in there, okay? So his servants, as the worship team comes back up, his servants went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David sent you to, take, uh, to, to become his wife. She bows down with her face to the ground and said, I'm your servant, and I'm ready to serve you and wash the feet of my Lord's servants. She doesn't have to do that. Abigail quickly got on a donkey, attended by her five female servants. This is her flex. Uh, went with David's messengers and became his wife. And they lived happily ever after. The end. <laughs> Read your Bible. Okay. So you say, John, what is this? This is like, it's supposed to be through the Spirit. And it's Mother's Day. And I'll say, listen, I just have a couple things real quick. One is, to those of you who are trying to make decisions when triggered, Okay, if you spend all your day getting upset, if, you, if, you're, if you're rehearsing things in your mind about how unfair things are, that is not the time to make decisions, number one. Number two, for the Abbeys in here, male or female, for those people who are bold enough to walk to somebody's face, especially those in power, a boss, uh, uh, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're the kid and you need to go talk to your parents. It's flipped. Follow through. You never know what the Holy Spirit is doing. I know oftentimes it feels like you're just like, I say this all the time. You got to do this. Watch out for this. Watch out for this. At some point, when they're ready to humble themselves, they will say, praise the Lord. He stopped me. There are some people in here, I, I know many, well, I know most of the people watching online, I know most of you guys too, 
you had an event like this. One day, a spouse, somebody came to you and said, hey, this drinking, this issue you got, it's not going to end well for you. Is this the story you want to tell when you come into power or things happen well for you? And they say, Lord, thank you. And I just want to say on behalf of all of those uh, here, for those mothers, aunts, whatever, grandparents, all those people who are investing so heavily into our kids, thank you, thank you, thank you. You may not be getting the response that David gave right away, but I believe it's coming. I believe it's coming. We're going to go ahead and just take a time of reflection, and uh, we're going to have the worship band sing one more song. But I'm going to pray a prayer, and uh, then we'll go through that song, and uh, then I'll come back up. Bless us, and we can be on our way. Lord Jesus, thank you for putting the Abbeys in our life. Those people who are bold enough to come to us and say, that's not you. That's not you. That's not what God has for you. Is that the story you want to tell? Come on. Lord, thank you for those people. The people who take the place of the prophets who've passed. The people who take the place of the mentors and take the place of those who have invested into our lives. Lord, bless them, bless them, bless them for their faithfulness. Encourage them. And Lord, change the hearts of the foolish around them. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand for the blessing if you want. And now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I pray you would go in his strength, in his love, in his joy, and in his wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.